If you're new with us today, we're in a series of messages where we're kind of like diving in to seven Jewish celebrations. And I did say the word celebrate. And if you're new to church and you didn't think Christians could celebrate, just so you know what we're talking about today, I want everybody on the count of three to yell the word celebrate. All right, you ready? One, two, three. Celebrate. Right there online campus, you can put that in a message. Notes. Let everybody, or right there in the comments, let everybody see what in the world we're talking about. These are seven celebrations 3,500 years ago that God gave to the Jewish people to celebrate. And each one of these festivals commemorated, watch this, when God brought Israel out of 400 years plus years of slavery in Egypt and then took them to a land that they would call their own and, uh, and they're in the Middle East, Israel, and, and, give them, and make them a nation. And God did all kinds of incredible blessings. And every one of these festivals, watch this, commemorate what God did then. But every one of them God used, this is so cool, only God can put this together. God then put a foreshadowing in every single one of these festivals pointing to the future Messiah and what he was going to do for us as a world, not just the Jewish people, but the whole entire world, and they all point to Jesus. Every one of them points somehow to Jesus and what he has done for us, and as you're going to learn today, in us. This is absolutely amazing. Here are the first three that we've looked at, uh, the first three on the Jewish calendar. Uh, Passover, we know that is they took the blood of the lamb, put it over the door, God passed over in Egypt, wherever the blood was, God passed his judgment over that house. We go 1,500 years from the first Passover when uh, God used this moment to deliver Israel out of Egypt. Go 1,500 years of the future, you come to Jesus, the Lamb of God, taking our sins to the cross, and if you put your trust in him, the judgment of God passes over you because you're covered in the blood of the lamb. Unleavened bread was the festival of the next day after Passover. They go into unleavened bread. We saw how they took unleavened bread signifying that the sin of bondage has been broken. That was what the yeast symbolized. They would actually bury that loaf and then find it and share it. And we go 1,500 years into the future. We see Jesus who is uh, the unleavened bread of heaven, the sinless son of God who went to the cross and died in our place and arose again, breaking the power of sin. And what does he do? He gives us the power to live for God now. We have a new start with God because of Jesus. Sin has been broken. If you're thankful sin's been broken, shout amen. amen. Then we have first fruits. At first fruits is... Uh, is when they, would come, when they came into the land and they came and waved the barley loaf unto the Lord. They were thankful they'd been delivered from bondage and now God has given them a fresh start. And uh, so they waved the barley loaf or the barley uh, sheaves and unleavened bread stands for how you now have eternal life now and forever. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts when you come to Christ. And it keeps on going. Death doesn't stop it. Jesus is the, un, is the first fruits of heaven. And he's the first fruit who rose up from the grave. God gave his best to you. And God gave you Jesus. And if you're grateful to have Jesus, God's best, three seconds of a praise is appropriate right now. Come on. <laughs> yeah. 
This is amazing. They've been celebrating these feasts for 3,500 years, and you and I today get to celebrate them and know what they mean because we see Jesus. Now, these first three feasts tell us what Jesus has done for us. Everybody shout, for us. Look at your neighbor and tell them, say, neighbor, that's what Jesus did for us. Today, we're going to the fourth Jewish festival and we're going to see what Jesus has done now in us. Oh, look at your neighbor and say, it's going to get good up in here today. <laughs> now we're going to see what he's done. In. This is even better than Halloween candy last night. All right, here we go. We're going to see what he's done in us. Look on your message notes. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 23 again. We've been preaching through Leviticus. Will the whole seven feasts. In Leviticus 23 says this, you are to count seven complete weeks, somebody shout seven, starting from the day after the Sabbath, somebody shout, that's a Sunday, uh, the day you brought the sheaf of the presentation offering, somebody shout first fruits, now you're tying it all together, right, you had Passover, unleavened bread, then, then the Sunday after unleavened bread is when first fruits starts, now he says count seven weeks from that day. And then you're going to add one, plus one. You're to count 50. Shout 50. 50. By the way, is what the word Pentecost means. The word Pentecost doesn't mean a denomination. It means 50 days. 50. 50 days until the day after the seventh Sabbath. And then present. Somebody shout present. An offering of new grain to the Lord. Now watch this. Look at verse 17. Bring two loaves. Somebody shout two. Of bread from your settlements as a presentation offering, and each of them be made from four quarts of fine. Next word. You hadn't seen this word in any of the other feasts, right? Other than remove it. Now he's saying, I got something you to add back in. Somebody say, I got to add something. Oh, it's going to be real. You got to add something back in and bake it with yeast as the first fruits to the Lord. Now, this is going to be so key today. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share with you two central truths of why Pentecost gives us a reason to celebrate Jesus. All right, two central truths of why we can celebrate Jesus today if you're saved because of what Jesus did for you and how Pentecost is a fulfillment in Scripture of what the Lord has done. Here's the first one. Write this down. At Pentecost, uh, the Jewish people from 3,500 years ago to very now in this present moment is a moment to celebrate the present by what God has done for you in the past. So here's what uh, they would do when they came into the new land. Somebody shout the new land. That God promised and he fulfilled his promise. And when they came into the promised land, that first harvest, remember at first fruits, they brought in a sheaf of barley. And that was to thank God that they were no longer under the bondage of Egypt. But then God did something amazing 50 days later. They came in at this point and brought in the wheat harvest. Barley was a poor man's bread. Wheat was the height of celebration bread. And now God says, I want you to go and take some of your wheat. And here's the offering you're going to bring to the Lord. You're going to bake it into two loaves of bread and you're going to bring it with yeast in it and you're going to bring it to the Lord, to the priest. And the priest would take the two loaves of bread and he would wave them to the, up to heaven, wave them down to the earth. He would wave them to the north 
And he would wave them to the south. Let me see if I can get my direction right. In the east. Am I right here? And the, and the west. He would wave it in every direction and they would be singing, blessed be the God who gives us the harvest. They would be praising the Father because of what God has done. They are celebrating where they were. They're in a new land. They've got new fields. They've got new crops. God has been good to them. He's taken them out of bondage and brought them into liberty and they would celebrate to the Lord. How many of you can celebrate here this morning that you're not who you used to be? If you're in Christ Jesus, old things are gone and all things have become new. How many can look back in your life and see where God has been at work in your life to get you where you are today? And you may be in this room, you may be watching online, you may be saying, but I'm not where I want to be. No, but sometimes before you get where you want to be, you better stop and thank God you're not where you used to be. He has been working on you. He has been working. How many can say, I can see God's hand? Even in moments I didn't recognize it at the time. You see, they, they didn't understand uh, all of the years of wandering in the wilderness. They didn't truly understand everything that was going on. But how many know God knew what he was doing the whole time? He was teaching. He was maturing. He was growing. He was bringing them up, getting them ready for what he had next. Can I look at every one of you and online and just tell you, Romans chapter 5 says, even through your struggles, God has a plan because he's getting you somewhere. And when you don't understand where you're at and why you're in your, the position you are right now, go back and read Romans 5 and see that God develops our character and prepares us for our tomorrows by what we go through in our todays. And here's what I want you to know, is that the God who was with you in the past is still with you in the present, and you wouldn't be where you are today had God not been with you in the past. And listen, when you look back and see God's hand at you in the past, it'll give you the courage and the faith you need to get through your present sometimes. And so they would bring this offering and they would wave it to the Lord. But you notice there's something different about the bread this time than in all the other feasts. In all the other feasts, they used unleavened bread, bread with no yeast. Now yeast has been added in, but not the yeast of Egypt. This is the yeast of a new land. This is the yeast of promise. And this symbolizes something very important for us to grab a hold of this morning. Is the reason that the first three, what Jesus has done for us is with unleavened bread, is we gotta remember that God wants to break the power of sin in our lives. He wants the sin of our old lives not to continue on in our futures. He wants us to have victory over our past. He wants us to have victory over our guilt and our shame and our sin. And he now wants to come in and become Lord over your life. And what, what this yeast represented here is a new beginning and a fresh start in a new land with the promises of God. And if you're a Christian here today, here's what I want to tell you. That Jesus Christ fulfilled the, the feast of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Jesus said something very strange to his disciples one time in John chapter 16, verse 7. 
Jesus said to his boys, and you think about this, Jesus has been walking with them for three years at this point. They've seen the dead raised. They've seen thousands fed with a little boy's sack lunch. They've seen storms cease. They've seen Jesus walk on water with Peter. They've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. They've heard the voice of God say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. They've experienced the presence of God with Jesus. And Jesus looks at his disciples and said, boys, I'm going away. And it's better for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the comforter cannot come. But if I go away, I will send him to you. How many would have thought right then and there, if you were one of the disciples, you would have looked at Jesus and said, what? How can anything be better than having Jesus walking in the, in the group with us, right? And they didn't understand at the moment, but they were about to learn. That something good was about to happen. And this is what I want to preach to you today about Pentecost and the second reason why we're going to be able to celebrate. And I'll get to that in a moment. But you need to understand that what Jesus has done for us is to remove the old leaven, the old sin nature, and the guilt and the shame that we have, the old bondage of sin. And if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. But listen, God doesn't leave you empty. Just take all that old sin out and just leave you as an empty house. He wants to fill you with his spirit. And the moment you become a Christian, the moment you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit of God takes over and he begins to move in. And what the yeast and these new loaves represent for us in Christ Jesus is the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. Remember, yeast was to saturate the whole dough. And what does the Holy Spirit want to do in your life and mine? He wants to saturate every inch of our lives. This is why we'll tell you in our church that it's not Jesus on Sunday and the world on Monday. It doesn't work that way. He's either Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. It's, it's growing in our understanding of letting every area of our lives be turned over to the Lord and giving it to him. Look at Jesus' words here on your message notes. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is right before he ascends to the right hand of the Father. This is after the resurrection, right before he goes up. He gives a great commission and he gives these words. Read them with me, everyone. But you will receive, next word. Come on, online campus, put it in the comments. But you shall receive, and I'm going to stay here until you say it like you believe it. He, you will receive. See, I know y'all want me to hurry up and get done when y'all do that. Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why? Because you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jesus told his disciples that what they've been celebrating to that point, 1,500 years at Pentecost, and why they were waving loaves of bread with yeast in it that he didn't understand, but it was coming. As soon as I go away, I'm sending him to you. And he's going to give you power to go be my witnesses. And notice Jesus uses the personal pronoun he, not it. Third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And then on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, and many in the New Testament church think this is when Pentecost began. No, Pentecost was 3,500 years ago. That's why I wanted you to understand the original origin of Pentecost. Because then when you go to Acts 2, it makes more sense. In Acts chapter 2, here's what we read. Let's read it together. When the, this is after the resurrection of Jesus. And when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. 
Y'all ready? It's about to get good up in here. Suddenly, a sound like a violent rushing wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were staying. I just love the Bible and all the images. Come on. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation, shout every nation, and under heaven. And when the sound occurred, a crowd came, shout the crowd gathered. This is so key, you'll understand in a moment. They gathered together and was confused because each one of them, read it, heard them speaking in their own language. What were they saying? Look at verse 11. We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongues. Now, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, you can't see the forest for the trees? Most of the time when we in the Christian church read this passage, we get so caught up in all of the extravagant acts of God in this moment and the speaking of tongues that we miss what, Jesus, what God was doing in the moment. But I can promise you this, every Jew there that was astonished that day knew exactly what was going on because they knew what happened on the original Pentecost 3,500 years ago to us, 1,500 years ago for them. They'd been taught it, they'd heard it their whole lives in the synagogues and the oral teachings of the rabbis. They would have known that that original Pentecost came because God delivered them out of bondage to Egypt, because the leaven had been removed, and they went through wilderness years, and now they had arrived in the promised land, and they took the new yeast of the new land and a new beginning, and they baked it before the Lord, and they waved the offering of the bread to the Lord. They would have also known this, that the very first Pentecost happened 50 days after they were delivered out of Egypt when the original Passover occurred. When Moses arrived with the Israelites at Mount Sinai and he went up on top of the mountain and received the Torah, when he received the word of God, when he received the Ten Commandments and the law of God, that day was what we now celebrate as the first Pentecost. And on that day, watch this, God came in his presence on the mountain, called the people to the mountain, gave them his word, watch this, and then united them into a nation. A group of slaves became the nation of Israel on Mount Sinai, and you read about this in Exodus 19 and 20. I'm going to read to you just a section and when I read it to you, after I've read to you what happened in Acts chapter 2, and I said the Jews understood what was happening, let's see if you can pick up on any parallels or similarities. You ready? Uh, uh, Exodus 19, verse 16 through, uh, through 20. And on the third day, when morning came, there was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud trumpet sound. So all the people in the camp shuddered. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the front of the mountain. Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because the Lord came down on it in fire. 
Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain shook violently. The sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, and Moses spoke with God, and God answered him in the thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai at the top of the mountain. Then the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain, and he went up. Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 18. And all the people witnessed the thunder and the lightning and the sound of the trumpets and the mountain surrounded by smoke. And when they saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. You speak to us and we will listen, they said to Moses. But don't let God speak to us or we will die. Moses responded to the people, don't be afraid. For God has come to test you and so that you will fear him and not sin. And the people remained standing at a distance as Moses approached the total darkness where God was. When I was reading how it happened on the day that God came on the mountain and brought the, the law and, and anointed the people as a nation on Mount Sinai, does it sound anything similar to what happened in Acts chapter 2? Let's look at some of the parallels. Look on the screen. In 19 and 20, the people heard the thundering power of God. In Acts chapter 2, they heard the violent rushing wind. In Exodus 19 and 20, they saw fire on the mountain. And in Acts 2, they saw the fire of God land on each of the disciples. In 19, they heard God in their own language. And in fact, in 19 and 20, they were scared and didn't even want to hear God. But in uh, Acts chapter 2, each one heard the word of God in their own language language being preached by the apostles. God gave his word in Exodus 19 and 20, gave them the 10 commandments and the Torah. And in Acts 2, we see the fulfillment of Jeremiah 31, where God said in a new covenant, I'm going to make with my people and I will write my word on their hearts. In Exodus 19 and 20 was the birth of the nation of Israel. And in Acts chapter 2 was the birth of the New Testament church in Jesus Christ. On Exodus 19 and 20, the, the mountain was full of God's presence. And in Acts chapter 2, the power of God's presence is no longer on a mountain. The power of God's presence moved into his temple. And you who put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God and the fire and the power of God that was on the Mount Sinai has now moved into the believer. And here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. Hallelujah. Woo! Are you kidding me? This is what God has done. The people rejected God at Mount Sinai. They said, Moses, you go speak for us. We don't want to come near. And in Acts chapter 2, God said, I'm coming and I'm moving inside my people. And I'll write my word on their hearts. And I will become their God, personal. Now we understand why Jesus in John 16 7 says to the disciples, it's better for you, I'm going away. Because from Mount Sinai all the way up to the resurrection of Jesus, they had God's presence with them. But after Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, now you can have God's spirit in you. 
And I want to tell you, God in you is a whole lot better than God walking with you on the outside. Can I get a witness from somebody? Amen? That's what this Feast of Pentecost is all about. And the reason you and I can celebrate today is you and I, write this down, can celebrate that the presence of God now dwells with his people. The presence of God now dwells with his people. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead, the same power that filled a mountain full of smoke and fire is now still working. But now he wants to work inside the believer. He wants to live inside of you. This is why it's so powerful to understand this. How many, uh, let me ask you this question. How many of you like to buy books? I mean, like real, actual, physical books? How many, how many still know what a book looks like? <laughs> all right, all right, so you're with me. Uh, what would you think is the number one selling genre of books in the bookstores? How many would think romance? See if all the women raise their hand. You want to buy one for your man to help him out? Go for it. Uh, how, it's October. How many think thriller? Suspense? Is that, do you think that's your number one? How many would say how-to books are the number one selling book genre? The number one best-selling books on the market today are how-to books. How-to books. Everybody needs to know how to do something. I mean, look at YouTube, y'all. How many fix your car by watching a YouTube video? We got so many shade tree mechanics now. Hey, I can fix that. How? I watch a YouTube video. Come on, somebody. Yeah, right here. I got you. This old boy don't fix cars either. Don't you think I haven't watched them? I watch them and say, that's too much work. I'm calling somebody. <laughs> What's that? Okay. What is wrong with how-to books? How-to books scratch an itch. They tell us we don't know how to fix something, and here's how you fix it. Here's the problem with how-to books. They tell you about the problem. They tell you how to fix the problem. They don't give you the power to actually go fix the problem. They give you the knowledge, but not the power. You know why Pentecost is so important, ladies and gentlemen? I don't know about you, but I, I, God's still working on this old boy. And, and I'm not who I used to be, thank God. But I'm still not all that I want to be for God. He's still working on me. Y'all judge me. Go for it. People do it every day. How about you? How many say I'm not who I used to be? But I still got to put ways I want to go. I want to I be more for God. I want to grow in God. I want to become everything he wants me to be. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's one thing for me to get up here and preach to you the word of God week after week after week. It's one thing for you to read the Bible and study it, get in small groups and prayer groups. You need to do all those things. But the devil will get in your mind and say, here's the how-to, but I just don't know if you got it in you to do it. How many's ever heard that voice? I just don't know. I know what you want. I just don't think you got what it takes to do it. Everybody look up here. Online campus, lean in close. Can I tell you that the reason you can celebrate Jesus today is because on Pentecost, God gave you the power to do exactly what he wants you to do. You may not even realize it, but I pray today before you go out of here, you're going to walk out of here with a bunch of spirit-filled believers ready to tackle hell with a spit gun knowing hell can't stop you from being who God wants you to be because God's already put the power inside you to overcome. You don't need a how-to book. 
You need to get in the Word of God, and as the Word of God convicts you by the Holy Spirit, you need to yield over control to the Holy Spirit. And the more you give yourself up to the Spirit, the more the Holy Spirit can empower you to do everything you want to do to begin with. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, there's hope for you after all. (laughs) Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, and you shall receive, what was that word again? In the Greek, it's the word dunamis. It means dynamite. Look at the person on the other side of you and tell them you're sitting by some of God's dynamite today. And what will the Holy Spirit give you the power to do? I want you to write these three things down. I give you a lot of verses that I don't have time to go through today. This is your home study. I'm going to tell you, then you go home and read it for yourself and see that I'm telling you the truth. The first thing I want to tell you is that when you surrender everything to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, I'm not talking about being saved all over again. If you're saved, the power is there. You just need to tap into him and let him do his work. If you'll let the Holy Spirit do the work he wants to do in you, I promise you this, number one, write down, he will give you the power to transform your life. You'll say, Pastor, change in my life is hard. Yes, but because of Pentecost and because of the Holy Spirit coming, it's possible. The words I can't should no longer be in your vocabulary if you're a believer. The words nothing is impossible with God ought to be your mantra. And you ought to quote it to yourself every morning when you look in the mirror and think about all the things you still need to work on. You need to look in the mirror and say, all things are possible through him who gives me strength. It's not my strength, not my ability, not my wisdom, but it is his. And I give you some verses there, John 14, John 16, Acts 4. Here's what you need to understand when you read these verses. The Holy Spirit, here's what Jesus taught. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything you need. You read the word of God, the Holy Spirit will bring it into your understanding. He will convict you of your sin. And there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. The devil condemns, tells you you're no good and you're worthless. The Holy Spirit convicts like a loving father, says don't do this or do that, but then he always comes back and says because I love you and got a better plan for you. You gotta learn to read the difference. God never shames, God only builds up, but he convicts us to change our direction to follow after him. And the power of the Holy Spirit unites us with Christian brothers and sisters in Acts 4. We need a spiritual brotherhood and a sisterhood around us to live life with and become the people God wants and transform our lives. Number two, write this down. The Holy Spirit of God will give you the power to overcome life's struggles. You don't get through life without struggles. Some of you are in a struggle right now. Some of you just came out of a struggle and some of you have got a struggle waiting around the next corner. You don't get through life without struggles. But can I tell you what the Holy Spirit will do for you? And you can read the verses there again out of the Gospel of John or Galatians or 1 Corinthians. You can read these when you get home. But here's what I'll tell you. Jesus said he'll be your counselor. The Holy Spirit will counsel you. The Holy Spirit will bring back my word to your remembrance. This is the reason why we study the Bible and get into the word, ladies and gentlemen, is because 
When you need it, the Holy Spirit will bring it back to you. You may be driving down the road thinking about what you're going through, and you don't even remember the chapter, book, or verse, but the line of the scripture will come back to your mind, or something that someone said to you, or a sermon that you heard, or a lyric in the song, and you're like, why did that come into my mind? Because the Holy Spirit will counsel you, and he'll remind you what the Lord has said. In that moment, you say, the Spirit spoke to me. A lot of people say, I don't know if I've ever heard the Holy Spirit. You've heard him so many times, you just didn't recognize him. Amen? He'll bring the truth back to your remembrance. He will bring about fruit in your life or maturity, virtue, the fruits of the Spirit, goodness, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and long-suffering. He'll bring you the, he'll change your behavior right in front of your own eyes. He'll empower you with gifts and abilities you didn't even know you had, spiritual gifts and power to be used at the right moment when God says it's time. We just sing a song, sit still until he speaks. And if you learn how to be still until the spirit speaks, the spirit can use you in ways you never even dreamed of. He'll even give you the power to get out of temptation. You with me? But listen to me and look at me. The Holy Spirit of God that will transform you and the Holy Spirit of God that will give you power to overcome life struggles isn't only there to help you get through. The Holy Spirit of God, if you'll listen to him, will also give you the power, write this down, to be used by him to share the gospel with more people. How many are thankful somebody shared the gospel with you? How many are thankful Jesus came and changed your life? Come on, online campus, are you thankful? The same Holy Spirit that used someone to get you the gospel is also going to want to use you to get the gospel to someone else at some point. And you may say, ah, that's the one thing I can't do, preacher. I promise you, the more you get used by the Holy Spirit, He'll use you to share the gospel and you weren't even planning on it. Amen? Because look again at Acts 1.8. You will see power and the Holy Spirit comes on you. And notice this. He didn't say, I'm going to give you power to overcome life's struggles. I'm going to give you the power to transform your life, though he does all those things. Notice what Jesus said to his church. I'm going to give you power to go be my witness. To be my witness. Jesus said his heart. He gave us his heart in Luke chapter 10. Jesus said these words. He says, I want you to look up to the fields. He said, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send workers out into the vineyard. So here's the question I want to ask you this morning. How many are thankful today Jesus has brought you where you are by working in your past? Let me ask you a second question. How many are thankful today that the presence of God can live inside you and dwell in you and empower you? change your life, transform your life, and use you. Are, you. are you thankful for the Holy Ghost of God, the power of God's Spirit in you? Yeah. Woo. Now let me ask you this. When's the last time you just knelt a knee and surrendered to his leadership? Said, Holy Spirit, I just want you to take over every area of my life. See, this is a daily Surrender. There's a passage in Ephesians says this. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living. How many's ever 
found that to be true. All right, you don't have to testify. Here we go. But be filled by the Spirit. Why would God, why would God use that as the illustration? Why would he say, I don't want you to get intoxicated, but I want you to get filled with the Spirit? Because the issue with alcohol is not having a glass of wine or a beer. I can't tell you in Scripture, you know, that that's forbid. I can tell you this. Scripture clearly forbids drunkenness. And here's the reason why. When you're drunk or intoxicated, whether it's alcohol or marijuana or any other kind of altering drug, understand, listen, here's what it is. You give up control of your mind, will, and emotions to something else. It's not the issue of the alcohol or the drug. It's what it does to you. You lose control. You're given control over. The Bible tells us there's only one power you need to yield control of your mind, will, and emotions over to. And it's not to anything else. Only to one. And the only one you're to give control of your life and your mind and your heart over to is the presence of God. You need to give yourself over to Jesus. You need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Give Him control over you. Don't lose control to anything else. All right, you with me? Because God wants you to live in the power of His Spirit. How many will live in the power of His Spirit today? So stand with me. Here's what we're going to do. And write this down. Here's your big takeaway today. We're going to celebrate... Because with the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God's presence is not just with you. <laughs> I love this. Somebody say it with me. But he is in you. Shall he's not just with me. He is in me. 